everyone. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I am your host, Mike Wobshaw. It's Wobby and my partner and co-host, as usual, Giles. We are here to finish up, to wrap up, to put a bow on the Minnesota Vikings 2023 regular season and take a look ahead into not only just the playoffs and the immediate newsworthy items in the NFL, but the entire offseason for the Minnesota Vikings and the rest of the National Football League. It's always a fun part of the NFL calendar, uh, but it's going to be particularly interesting, I think, for folks in the upper Midwest who are rooting for that purple and gold team. Lots of things to figure out as the Vikings look to reload and run a good race in 2024. The race in 2023, however, is over. So we're going to touch on that Lions game to finish the season, give you our thoughts on that, and then start breaking down the rest of the offseason. To help me do that is Giles. Of course, we bring him in right now. How's it going, partner? Hey, hey, happy morning to you. Thank you. Uh, what a season. Not necessarily the yeah. season we were looking for, but uh, as a big football fan, it's always exciting to see the ups and downs of a team. And yep. uh, I still think there's some some bright spots for this Minnesota Vikings offense and defense. Uh, not the outcome we were looking for, but I think uh, there's a lot of things that we can point to to, to describe why we re- arrived at this this final outcome. But, uh, you know, as much as I love when football is happening, I am a huge fan of the offseason because it's your chance to improve. It's your chance to reset your chance to really analyze what worked, what didn't, and what is the game plan to go get back to, to a, a winning category. So mm-hmm. uh, really excited for this opportunity to, to take a look at both of those things and move forward. I remember, Giles, when I was with the team, um, and we were particularly, this would happen year-round, but uh, particularly in the offseason, you know, some teams are just talked about more than others. They're in the headlines mm-hmm. more than others. And when we would go through a period of time where we weren't really in headlines or making news, you know, we'd get messages, maybe not directly from Mark Wilf, but it would work its way down where it's like, how come you know, we're never on NFL network? How come we're not on NFL network? We're not doing it. What are we doing? We're not doing anything, you know? And, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've got a very successful, sophisticated, uh, businessman and, and Mark Wilf, who's very successful in his other endeavors in life. And here he is with his other uh, true love, uh, football and the Vikings. And he, it's it's not childish, but it's it's he's giddy. You know, it's, yep. he's excited. He's like, oh, why aren't we on NFL Network? You know, and yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and and I don't think he'll be sending those messages this offseason. I think the Vikings are going to be in the headlines quite a bit <laughs> this offseason oh <laughs> um, with some of the things that they have to get done and the priorities they have and um, some improvements. So uh, it'll be fun to talk about all of that. Um, and fortunately for the Vikings, those headlines won't be because they need a new GM and a new head coach. Uh, they're, they're solid there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's good because when, when that's the reason you're making headlines, you're in a very tenuous place as an organization. So the Vikings aren't there, uh, but there's another very important position within the organization uh, quarterback where they are going to be making some headlines this offseason. So we'll get into all of that. What headlines will they be? What headlines should they be? What headlines would they be if Giles and I were in charge? We'll talk about all that. But first, let's put a bow on the on the regular season, Giles, and talk about the Lions game. Um, obviously, a disappointing thirty to twenty loss, and in fact, it it was the Vikings' sixth loss in their final seven games. You know, mm-hmm. so really a bummer of a way to end the season um, as they miss out on the playoffs and um, and go home. So you know, thirty to twenty, uh, they lose. They go down early, thirteen uh, zero. Never really got back into it. I never felt great about the game. 
uh, once they went down 13-0. Jefferson obviously looked good. Uh, pro, you know, issues with um, with the quarterback, I think, were, were maybe there. Giving up 30 points is not good. So I don't know how, how deeply we want to get into analyzing that game. Um, but to me, it was just kind of more of the same from the final two months of the season. That's kind of what it felt like to me. And I was watching it in Fort Lauderdale at a Vikings bar. That was fun. Um, we went down to, to South Florida uh, last week, and we found a little nook and cranny bar um, called the Downtowner in Fort Lauderdale. Vikings yeah. theme bar on Sunday. So very cool. Purple beer out of the tap and Viking stuff oh everywhere. Goodness. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so we had a great time, uh, save for the loss, of course. Uh, but to <laughs> me, Giles, it just it felt like more of the same to close the season. Yeah, I mean, I could not agree more watching the game as well. Uh, unfortunately, here in the frozen tundra of Minnesota, uh, I think it, it it goes to show how important the quarterback position is for football. I mean, everyone knows it, but I think when you see that type of performance on the field, it really cements that position because, yeah. in my opinion, had Kirk Cousins been under center, I think we would have stomped the Detroit Lions. I really yeah. do. The fact that Nick Mullins was able to put up 20 on that type of team I think mm-hmm. we would have stomped them out, and I, I think we'd be in the playoffs right now. I truly believe that. I think we'd be playing. Yeah. Uh, we, we'd probably be winning the division, but I think there's a chance that even if we didn't, we'd be uh, being in the dance with the rest of them, uh, ready to go toe to toe. So, unfortunate that we arrived at this conclusion, but I think there's a a really silver lining uh, to be had here in the fact that we have a really good roster outside of the quarterback. Now, I think there's some defensive uh, deficiencies that we need to talk about in the offseason, but there's a lot of good bright spots here. Um, it's just unfortunately when you have uh, a less than great quarterback under center, uh, you're going to have same old, same old uh, week in and week out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think you look at the game, Giles, and if we just focus in on the quarterback, Mullins, Kind of the same. There was a home game where this happened too, I believe. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Detroit. Did he have 400 yards against Detroit, Mullins? Um, that's a great question. I believe so. Let me double check. I think it was the Christmas Eve game where he had, four, but he also had four picks. You know, and that's what we had again with Mullins. You know, 396 yards in the season finale against Detroit and two touchdowns, but he threw the ball to the other team twice too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just, I don't, I don't know how hard we want to harp on this right now because it's water under the bridge, but I mean, you can't have 44 pass attempts with Nick Mullins. No, he did get 396 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Uh, Yeah. Just the way it is. No, yeah, no, in this final in the season finale, but I think the Christmas yeah. Eve game didn't he have four hundred? Oh yes, I'm sorry, yes, I misunderstood. Yeah. Yes, he did have four hundred. Yep. No, so he's throwing the ball up and down the field for yards, and they're scoring, but it's just too many turnovers, you know. And forty four pass attempts for for Nick Mullins, you're not going to win. No, correct. Your, your run game is is uh, in a, a dangerous category right now, and you've talked a lot about this, but your run game has a direct attribution to your red zone offense, and our red zone offense this year is like bottom 10. Terrible. Like we are not yeah. doing well in the red zone. That needs to be an absolute focus this offseason. I recognize that you maybe don't want to go sign a marquee running back for $10 million, but no. you need to find a way to change that game where it's at least a threat. You need to be able to uh, uh, cause opposing defenses to take you seriously in the run game so they don't know what you're going to do because yeah. right now that is not not I, I, being taken taken seriously by other teams agreed i mean we'll get into this in the offseason i think 
Alexander Madison, I think, took a step back for whatever the reason, and I, I don't know why. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's just better suited in a supporting role. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know mm-hmm. if he seems like a good dude. I know I, I've he was with the team when I was there. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's got a good work ethic. I don't think it's because he got paid and then he got lazy, but whatever the reason is, he took a step back. Um, I like Ty Chandler. I think he can probably help you get the job done. But I look at some of these teams who are good guiles at running the ball. I mean, the Rams got Kyron Williams, I think, in the fifth round. I mean, the Ravens mm-hmm. just grab guys from the from the strip mall and put them on the field, and they run for yards. For like, yep. it, you don't need Adrian Peterson or Derrick Henry or you know, first Saquon Barkley to run the ball well. You can if you've got the right scheme and you got yep. five guys who are blocking. Um, right, I think you can get it done with Ty Chandler and maybe another guy. So maybe if you bring back Cam Akers, I think that was a big uh, uh, blow to our offense when Cam Akers went down because he was doing very well uh, before he went down for the season with the ACL injury. Um, So, I mean, when you think about uh, the Minnesota Vikings and their, their response to Alexander Madison not doing as well as they thought, I actually give them props. They went out and tried to fix it again, and I think they did temporarily fix it, but then yeah. injuries just plagued our team. When you look at the amount of injuries that our team has experienced, your starting quarterback goes down, your starting running back goes down, your starting tight end goes down, your starting wide receiver goes down for half the season. Like The fact that we weren't a three-win team, <laughs> I yeah. mean, being a little bit outlandish there, but like yeah. the fact that you won that many games I think is – partially uh, uh, you know, kind of a celebration for the Vikings that they were able to still put some level of success on the board, even though it wasn't in the win column. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, Losing six of the last seven and missing the playoffs is obviously a, a paramount disappointment, but you're right that given what they went through, the fact that they were still in it um, is a testament to the other players on the team, for sure. Um, Jefferson coming back and playing well after his injury, um, a lot of more selfish players probably would have called it a season right without their starting quarterback and a team hovering at or below 500 i think a lot of the nuts and bolts pieces are there i mean i think johnny munt kind of stepped up a little bit late in the season mm-hmm. obviously josh oliver was very good you're set with your offensive tackles um we'll get into this but i the i think you're fine at quarterback you've got some two guys on the outside who are like the nuts and bolts like the structure is there on offense you got to tweak a few things interior of the offensive line you got to fix you know you got to solve a running back issue but um you know i think it truly is a reload for the vikings i don't think it's a rebuild here in the offseason I completely agree, uh, especially with the amount of uh, free agents that are available to us. We have yeah. uh, a decent amount of cap space that we have to deal with next year. I do think we have quite a bit of flexibility uh, to go a lot of different directions. I think there's a few holes on defense that I think will help uh, help prepare the offense as well. But I think you get everybody back healthy, uh, and I think you see a much different product, as with any team on the NFL. I know a lot of fans that say, well, every team deals with injuries, so you can't use it as an excuse. And although I inherently agree with that, I think we have dealt with far more injuries than most teams have this season because in my opinion if another team has this amount of uh this injuries uh as the minnesota vikings did this season their season would be over like no team goes uh goes to the playoffs with this amount of injuries in my opinion i mean unless you can be example but i think that is a a season injury when you have that that type of injury yep and the vikings had other problems too i mean remember they went through that streak where they were turning the ball over early in the game every week you mean the whole season yeah yeah well yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, you know, that's, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. I think, 
you know, the defense tailed off at the end too, Giles. Um, oh, very much so. You know, they went. We, we a, got discovered. Yep, they went through a pretty impressive streak there in the middle of the season when when the Vikings were staying alive. But I mean, the last month of the season was kind of an ouch. Um, mm-hmm. But we talked about that. You know, it was smoke and mirrors for Brian Flores. Like he was dealing with ta- a deficiency of talent, and so he had to um, manufacture pressure. He had to do a lot of smoke and mirrors. And it worked for a while, um, and then it kind of stopped working. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be fun, though, to talk about all of this um, in the offseason, ways they can get better, ways they can stay good where they're good, get better where they're not good enough, and uh, a lot of different mechanisms in the offseason uh, to get that done. So I think we should sort of set the stage for the offseason here to, uh, you know, second part of the show. But I, I want to make sure we um, we get everything out there that we wanted to talk about with regard to the season finale. Um, anything in your notebook that you wanted to hit on or, or any PFF data you wanted to go over from the, the Lions game? Yeah, let's definitely go through the PFF grades because I think yeah. uh, uh, it became a little bit of a collapse in some categories, but some uh, players stepped up. Um, do you want to start with offense or defense? Let's, let's start with offense. Offense, all right, rock and roll. Did you see anyone in particular that you thought deserved to be in the top five here? Definitely Jefferson, Munt, and Oliver. I would put those three in my top five for sure. Um, No one really stood out other than that. I continue to like Ty Chandler. And I chose my words there carefully, like not love. I think he's part of the solution potentially i don't think he is the solution but um i i I consistently and i didn't uh truthfully did not go back and watch uh the all 22 of this game just too much Mm -hmm. other stuff going on it was last game nothing to get ready for but it was to me it was munt oliver and jefferson who stood out yeah, definitely. A um, few of those you got right. Uh, but starting with number five was Garrett Bradbury, our center. He oh, ended the okay. day at a 66.5. I think he's had a average-ish season. Um, I know he's had a pretty severe back injury that he's been dealing with. So I'm really interested to see what the Minnesota Vikings do in this offseason when it comes to the center position. If they think, hey, if you uh, get healthy, then will you bounce back to where your position was last year being kind of a fringe top 10 center? Yeah. Um, because I would say he's not in the top 10 this year, but uh, he's been injured and he's had definitely had um, lingering injuries, even though when he's been on the field, he's had uh, sub elite uh, performance, if that makes yeah. sense. But he did yep. uh, breach the top five here at a 66.5 grade. Uh, and then just above that was Christian Derrissaw at number four with a 70.0. Um, this has also been a really interesting year for Christian Derrissaw because he's also battled injury pretty significantly. Um, I would say this has been his worst year uh, as a Minnesota Viking, if we're being completely honest. Uh, but I think most of that is due to injury because when he's been on the field and been healthy, he's had elite performance. When he has been on the field but hurt, you can clearly see that in his performance and in his grades. Um, he did very well in pass protection. He was abysmal in the run, unfortunately, uh, against the Lions on Sunday. So uh, definitely an unfortunate um, uh, position. But I do hope that uh, with the offseason, he can get healthy and we can get back to, to true form with Christian Derrissaw. Yeah. Um, but then rising above that at number three is your boy Ty Chandler uh, at a 71.8 grade. So um, if I'm looking at Ty Chandler and looking forward into the 2024 season, I really hope that he maintains a solid share of the snaps 
but is ultimately RB2 on the depth chart. Uh, yeah. And that's where I think you either re-sign Cam Akers and you run with those two, uh, you know, in kind of a, a two-back uh, scenario, running back by committee, um, or do you sign one of the uh, marquee free agents like a Tony Pollard or something like that if you feel like you can get him on the cheap. Uh, but Ty Chandler is the exact type of guy that I want in my RB2 because I think he's that good. Now, I think you're you're absolutely correct in the the like not love. If he's RB one, I'm not gonna like pound the table and say that can happen. But I would love it if that type of performance is sitting at your RB two. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of similar for for Alexander Madison last year behind um, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook. He Dalvin, did very yeah. well at RB two, and then when he was forced into the the first spot, I think he struggled. So yep. I'm really interested to see what they do at the running back position in the offseason. season. Uh, yep. But then coming in at number two was Justin Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson of old at an 86.5 grade, Mr. Elite. Uh, had he not missed all those games with injury. I think he would have clearly got into the Pro Bowl. I think even the fact that he did miss all those games and still broke a thousand yards. Uh, I think it was a thousand yards in less than 10 games. Uh, I am shocked that he didn't make it into the Pro Bowl. So that's kind of an unfortunate beat for him. But um, he did very well on Sunday for obvious reasons. Almost broke 200 yards. Yeah. Uh, and then technically coming in at number one was Nick Muse. He only got wow. two snaps. So that I think it's uh, oh, okay. uh, uh, meant to be uh, kind of uh, mentioned with an asterisk. But he had an 89.2 grade. Um, if you don't put any qualifiers on the 2024 season uh, in terms of snap counts, Nick Muse was technically the highest graded tight end in the NFL. Wow. So, you know, yeah, give him the bank, (laughs) give him the bag, let him roll. (laughs) Uh, But ultimately, those are the the top five for the offense on Sunday. All right. No major surprises there. I didn't see Muse coming, obviously, but uh, good for him. Uh, No big surprises. And those guys playing well is good. You know, nothing wasted there. Um, All right. Let's go to defense. Yes. Um, anyone in particular stand out for you? Otherwise, I'll just run through them. No, you can run through them. I know Hunter had a sack. Um, pace was everywhere. Didn't didn't really notice or love much else. It was kind of a flat, disappointing defensive performance, I thought. Yep. Uh, I completely agree. I think when you look at the philosophical nature of our defense, we've talked about it before, but I think you really need to prioritize getting some interior push for this defense to work. I think we were smart enough to confuse people for a long time, but then when we couldn't actually get home uh, due to our true nature, things started to fall apart. So um, I'm really a big fan of trying to keep Brian Flores in the building and trying to add interior pressure and just general roster play um, uh, for Brian Flores to play with. And I think you're going to see a substantial increase in performance. The fact that last year we were essentially 30th in the league and now we're about league average. I'm really excited to see in year two, can we take that next leap forward and, and, and enter the top 10 or even the top five. Uh, But, at the end of the day, uh, the the fifth best player on defense was none other than Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, coming in at a 62.2 grade, which I think is not a great look for your defense when uh, a top five graded player is only a 62. Um, he struggled in a lot of categories. He did really well in the fundamentals of tackling, but other than that, he struggled. Uh, um, I wouldn't say he was like a train wreck, but he definitely wasn't great. Um, so. Uh, really interesting to see how they integrate Andrew Booth into the offseason because I don't expect him to necessarily be a starter next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then moving into number five is Kyrie's Tonga, uh, Mr. Big Boy up front at a 68.7 grade. Uh, he did very well uh, across the board. Um, uh, so he did he did pretty well, except for he had a coverage snap that he kind of botched. But if you have a, uh, a nose tackle doing coverage, I think that's going to be a struggle anyway. So um, I don't really put that against Kyrie's Tonga. Um, and then coming in at number three was Andre Carter, the second. Uh, 
mm-hmm. outside linebacker at a 69.6 grade. Um, I wouldn't say he was a world beater, but he did decent. And I think it definitely emphasized why they paid him all the money in the offseason as a unrestricted free agent um, uh, signing, um, you know, and, and try to keep him in the building. So maybe they see a lot more in him and, and his development is starting to come to fruition. Um, and ironically, he's then right there uh, behind the number two position at Daniil Hunter. Um, I believe he had the only sack of the day. We had one sack against mm-hmm. the Lions, against that elite offensive line that the Detroit Lions put forth. Um, but he did come in at a 79.3 grade, did great across the board. Um, but the best graded player on the field for the defense on Sunday was Ivan Pace Jr. at an 83.1 grade. Um, I know he's had a little bit of an up and down season, um, but I think that's simply because of the nature of our defense, because we have such... A, uh, a unique style of play that I think PFF is not accurately um, able to support that type of defense because it's so unusual. Um, even our team uh, pressure rates and our, our pass rush grades uh, get a little bit ding sometimes because we're sending so many players that some people are inherently not going to get home because of the way that we're blitzing. Uh, so I do think that that's something to be uh, mentioned. But Ivan Pace Jr. was the highest graded uh, rookie linebacker in the NFL this year. So I really expect him to be a big part of our defense moving forward. But uh, great to see a kind of a closing performance from him at an elite category. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pace is a guy everyone was excited about coming out of camp. And yeah. um I think he's got a future. Yep. I, I I don't think he's like a superstar, like a guy who can be good every week against no matter who you play. I think he's like an important tool in your toolbox where like certain types of games he's really good in. Other types mm-hmm. of games he's not really good in. Um, and so the more of those games you have that are his type, the more impactful he'll be. But I definitely yep. think he's a player that Brian Flores will like and keep and will find a way to use. Yep. Uh, he's a forward. versatile player. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and he's a good story. You know, he's undrafted and the whole thing. So, yep. um, all right. Um, no major surprises there. I think um, it just, like I said, you know, earlier we talked about, it's just was more of the same to me to close out that season. You know, the Vikings went into the final week of the season with a chance to make the playoffs. Um, I guess fittingly, though, everything they needed to happen did not happen. Did you notice that? (laughs) I did see that. (laughs) They lost. I was watching very closely. (laughs) Yeah. They had to win, and they lost. And then every team that they needed to lose won. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Let, let's cement ourselves at 11. <laughs> like, if you could have been like the cynical Vikings fan out in Vegas, you would have hit a five-team parley. You know, you would yeah. have made you know hundreds of dollars <laughs> or thousands of dollars. Yeah, so, such is life yeah. as a Minnesota fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, um, let's sort of skim the surface here on off-season stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to go for a ride and do that with me? All Let's right. Let's do it. Coaching changes. That's like the first thing that happens, right, when a team season is over. Um, and as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Vikings will not be enduring that at the head coaching level or the GM level, so that's good. Now, there, inevitably, there are minor tweaks to your staff or other staff changes. Uh, however, I, I don't believe we'll see any changes to the coordinators uh, for the Vikings. I think Flores will stay. Uh, I think Wes Chandler will stay, and I think the Vikings may have a position coach here and there that ends up leaving or you know coming and going. But I think yep. the philosophy, the structure, all of that stuff is going to remain the same. 
I would I would uh, 99.9% agree with you, but I wanted to run one thing past you that I've been okay. hearing a little bit on the beat. I believe Judd Zulgad broke this on Purple Daily. Okay. He was speculating that the Minnesota Vikings may be considering trading Kevin O'Connell to the Atlanta Falcons. Have you heard about this? Jeez. Because uh, no. Kirk Cousins in offseason and them obviously firing Arthur Smith, that they would be interested in trading him. That feels like a very weird, bombastic idea that has to be based in some type of rumbling otherwise mm-hmm. that feels like a very random type thing to say uh in public media so i'm hoping that is not the case but i figured i'd uh, broach the subject if that's yeah. actually being considered i think they even themselves at purple daily use like like tease themselves about reckless speculation don't they <laughs> so um yeah and th- those guys are good guys over there um and they have you know, good intuition and good insight on lots of stuff. I don't, I didn't hear this, so I don't know the nature that Zolgad had when he was talking about this. I would, that would be really surprising. Like that. I agree. Just, I, I get the cousins to Atlanta ties though. I get mm-hmm. that. Um, Julie is from Atlanta. His wife. Yeah. Yeah. There's a personal thing there. And then professionally or f- from a football standpoint, there's some things that could make sense there. It's yeah. certainly not as appealing a place to be from a football standpoint um, yeah. for Cousins as Minnesota is. I mean, I know they have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and they got a couple of good offensive linemen, but it's just – I think Minnesota is a more appealing place from a football standpoint. But um, Agreed. One of my favorite guys to listen to national media-wise is Pat Kerwin of Sirius NFL Radio, and um, he was really sort of um, pounding the table for Atlanta to – to go after Kirk Cousins if he mm-hmm. does indeed hit the market. Um, he was a big Arthur Smith guy, and they fired Arthur Smith, and he really doesn't like it when teams blow the whole thing up and fire coaches so quickly, you know? So he's like, you know, Atlanta needs some stability. Stop firing coaches and just mm-hmm. go out and get Cousins and stabilize the quarterback position, and you'll be fine. So interesting. There's a couple of different people kind of clamoring for that cousins falcons connection and then now the the o'connell trade to atlanta wow that would that would really be something um that'd be a blockbuster (laughs) yeah that would be i don't see it happening if it did uh there would be a new number one priority for the vikings and that would be uh finding a head coach but i don't think that's going to happen so i think the vikings have stability at uh gm and head coach uh, and at both coordinate offensive and defensive coordinator positions so good there um so, um, but there are some other changes in the NFL happening at the head coach. Uh, just this morning, Belichick mm-hmm. and the Patriots part ways. Uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. Seattle and Pete Carroll decided to set a new course, as they termed it. So Carroll will remain with the organization in an advisory role, uh, but will no longer be the head coach. So the Seahawks looking for a new one. I think people will tie Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn to Seattle because he was Pete Carroll's defensive coordinator uh, when they were really good and had the Legion of Boom. Other teams with head coaching vacancies, the Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, Washington Commanders, and the Tennessee Titans, Giles, fired Mike Vrabel. I can't help but sense that there are some other things going on there in Tennessee that led to Vrabel's exit because if I'm looking for a head coach right now, I think Vrabel's my first call. Absolutely. And I think he may be the first call for the New England Patriots. Makes me yeah. wonder if they knew that that was happening and he uh, knew that the the Titans weren't willing to trade him. So 
let's force an exit and then go play for the Patriots or coach for the Patriots. Yeah. I was surprised about that one. So now there could be some others that happen coming down, coming down the road here. Uh, a playoff team could surprise us and do it. Um, another owner might just have had enough and, and make a change here. But uh, majority of the time, if you're making a change at head coach, you've done it by now, unless you're a playoff team. So um, mm-hmm. luckily for the Vikings, they're not going to be in that fray. I think they're set at, uh, at the important coaching positions. Um, let's talk about uh, schedule guiles. Uh, another headline from, I believe, today. You may not have seen this yet. Did you see the Vikings will host a game in London? This I did see season? this. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, cool. Should we take a, uh, a trip over the pond? Let's do this. I'm, well, let's go. That's All absolutely right. I'm going. I'm pulling up Don't the Delta app as we speak. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, we, can do a, we can do a podcast from over there, too. So There we go. Now, they're hosting the game. So to try and figure out who they're going to play over there, you got to look at the Vikings' home opponents. The home opponents for the Vikings this year, Bears, Lions, and Packers, of course. But the Vikings will be playing the NFC West and the AFC South in 2024. So the home opponents from those two divisions are the Cardinals and the Niners from the NFC West. And from the AFC South, it's the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Vikings also play Atlanta and the Jets at home. So Aaron Rodgers on the schedule for the Minnesota Vikings next year. That's a good question. I have a sneaky suspicion. Could it be the Falcons? Because um, I know some of their uh, their front office is from the the Vikings uh, from the media group. Um, I know that they were pretty instrumental in getting the Vikings into a position where they could go play overseas uh, and kind of uh, getting the right. groundwork laid for that. Uh, so right. it makes me wonder if that tie together could get those two synced up. Um, I don't know. What good insight by you right there, Giles. That is um, someone I worked with very closely at the Vikings. His name is Scott Kegley um, on the digital team, is is with the Atlanta Falcons and was a huge part of the Vikings' effort um, to get marketing rights over in Europe. Um, It felt like for a while there, every other month, Scott was out of the office for a week, going to be in London. (laughs) It's like, geez, (laughs) you're going to take up residency over there, Scott? Um, I know, right? Great guy, really smart, really innovative, and in how he's with the yep. Falcons. I, I think he's yep. with like not just the Falcons. He's with like their ownership group over yeah, all the teams. Yeah, that they the own. soccer yep. team, and yeah. So yep. um, I could definitely see that. Um, um, when I look at that, it's not going to be a division opponent. Um, maybe it's the Niners. At this point, we can only really guess. I don't really have any keen insight. You had the that's the best line of insight you could possibly have probably. That'd be a pretty cool matchup actually for the digital teams, the digital Especially if Kirk Cousins was under center for the Falcons. Oh yeah, then that would definitely be the one. Although NBC would want that one on Sunday Night Football, so I don't know. Uh, there'd be a big battle for that one. Um Seriously. so uh we'll see. We'll uh that'll be announced at a later date who the Vikings play in London, but they will be in London and we do know who they will play at home. Here's who they will play on the road, uh, Bears, Lions, Packers, and then the AFC South uh, road opponents um, will be Jags and Titans, and then the NFC West away opponents will be the Rams and the Seahawks. The Vikings will also play uh, the Giants uh, on the road, so they'll travel to New York. Interesting. There Hmm. is one stadium... I have not been to in the NFL, Giles. Okay. And that's the new L.A. stadium, the new stadium in L.A., SoFi Stadium. 
It's the only one I have not been to. So it sounds like we need to do two uh, trips, one out to LA and one to London. Let's have that London one be in like October and let's yep. have that LA one be like in December. How about that? <laughs> We're on the Can same we page. Do that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so phone uh, it those, in. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Those are the opponents for the Vikings. Of course, uh, most of our listeners know this by now, but the, the schedule is a formula. You play each of your division opponents twice. You play another uh, NFC division. You play another AFC division. And now with the extra game, uh, there's some random bonus game for the NFC. Uh, that's a home game this year. Uh, that alternates. Uh, that extra game alternates home and away by conference. So those are the opponents for the Minnesota Vikings in 2024. Uh, schedule usually released like right around the draft, uh, right after the draft, right before the draft. That's usually what the NFL targets. It'll probably uh, be the same thing. But I think the highlight of this one, Giles, is that the Vikings return uh, to England. And um, mm-hmm. they are 3-0 and playing games in London. So they're going to try and go 4-0 and uh, in London in 2024. Um, the other ones I wanted to talk about here were free agency draft and then offseason priorities. So uh, let's quickly go through the, um, the scheduled unrestricted free agents, Giles. Um, actually... Let's not do that. Let's do draft first because the free agency one sort of dovetails into offseason priorities. Draft. The Vikings have the 11th pick in the first round. Um, Mm -hmm. They actually, uh, in fitting Minnesota fashion, they are one of four teams to finish uh, 7 and 10, and they are fourth in the order, of course. They lose all the tiebreakers (laughs) to the Jets, Bears, and Falcons all finished 7 and 10 as well, and they all pick ahead of the Vikings in the first round. So, um the Vikings will pick 11th in the first round. They also have a second round pick. They don't have a third round pick because they use that one to get TJ Hawkinson. Well worth it. They have two in the fourth, two in the fifth, and uh, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. So nine picks total. Um, their first one is 11th overall. Um, so um, nine picks is a, is a healthy um, a healthy haul in the NFL mm-hmm. draft. We know that Quezzy likes to move and shake a little bit, so it could end up being a little bit more or a little bit less. Um, but two picks in the top 42, guys, no third-round pick. Um, everyone always says this is a good draft, so let's not get into that. But um, <laughs> two picks in the top 42, what do you hope they do? That's a good question. I think it really gets down to whether or not you think they should draft a quarterback. Now, I think uh, minus... Anything really big happening, I do think they bring Kirk Cousins back, whether that is for a a medium-term deal that keeps him under center as the primary quarterback and the intention is to play him for the next you know uh, few years, or you sign him to a one- or two-year deal with the intention of having a, a, a quarterback that you drafted sit underneath him for a year and then play him, right? But I think you bring Kirk Cousins back for 2024 regardless. I do really think that. Uh, minus anything other catastrophic, I really think that that is going to be the option. Um, so it's whether or not you think they should sign a quarterback or if you think Kirk Cousins should keep playing, because, uh, I think if you don't sign a quarterback, I think you need to go somewhere on the defensive line in your first round. I really do. Um, I think a lot of mocks have Dallas Turner from Alabama going to, uh, the Vikings at 11. Um, but I think it also kind of depends on what the bears do at number one. That has a ripple effect across the Mm -hmm. entire first round. And obviously last year, the bears traded out of the first round pick. Now they they have the first pick because of Carolina. Um, I do expect them to trade out of number one. Um, honestly, I mean, this is maybe reckless, reckless speculation like the uh, boys at Purple Daily like to say. <laughs> um, but if I am yeah. the Chicago Bears, okay, you have the number one overall pick, and I believe you have, is it nine, right? Yeah, number um, one, number nine, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm the Chicago Bears, I'm going to be calling up Quezzy. Okay. And I'm going to say, Quezzy, I am willing to trade you the number one overall pick Mm. for Justin Jefferson and a first round pick. And let's let that lie. Okay. Okay. And you use that to obviously trade down to 11. And then I would use that pick to then trade back up and get Marvin Harrison Jr. And imagine having Justin Fields with Justin Jefferson and Marvin Harrison Jr. I think you would instantly go into a premier contender as an organization because I'm not a huge fan of Justin Fields, but I also don't think he's a train wreck either. And if you gave him the two best wide receivers in the NFL, imagine what that performance would look like. Jeez. Yeah. That's um, obviously if I'm the GM for the Bears, to be very clear, not the Vikings. <laughs> do you think they'd sell any tickets? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they'd be in prime uh, time, and they'd sell a lot of tickets. Wow. Um, yep. I don't think I'd do that, though, if I was Minnesota. Would you? No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I mean, it'd be only if you felt like you could go get Caleb Williams and you f- if you felt like that was going to be the changer of your franchise. Yeah. Like... I'd have to think it was Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck or, you know, like a prospect like that that's come up in the last 20 years. There's only been a, a couple of them, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know. It's this class is weird for quarterbacks because there's abundancy in first round grades at quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I yep. don't think there's anyone that you feel really safe with. No. Even with Caleb Williams at this point. I think I don't you know, know. at the beginning of yeah. the, the college season, I think he was touted as the next best thing for the next decade. And I do not think he's lived up to that potential, both on the on field performance as well as kind of his interactions off the field. Yeah. Um yeah. I have some ties into USC and there's there's uh, dwindling confidence in uh, in Caleb, unfortunately. Now, is yeah. it completely gone? No, but I don't think it's as near as strong as it was going into this season. Yeah, yeah. I that's kind of how I feel about it too, and that's that's just with intuition. That's not with any knowledge. But the fact that mm-hmm. you you maybe have some extra information there, I'm not surprised. So, I like the idea of the Vikings drafting a quarterback in the first round, wherever they pick. If they stay at 11, if they trade back to 22, if they move up to six, whatever. I don't. I think they should take one. They should take a quarterback. Um, I don't have a strong opinion on who that should be. I will eventually, but I don't right now. Um, but that's what I think they should do. Um, and then at 42, um, they should take a defensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so um, whether that's a corner or a defensive tackle or whatever, if they don't re-sign Hunter, they got to get an edge guy, whatever. But I would do quarterback, and then I would do a starter on defense. That's what I would yep. do at at first with the first and second round picks. Be honest, I'm completely a complete alignment with you because yeah. uh, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot when you're drafting a quarterback. I mean, uh, a lot of the first over first overall picks have been complete train wrecks. It's never a guarantee when you draft a quarterback. Nope, so I think nope. it's safe to have someone like Kirk Cousins under center. So then you have a fallback and I hate calling Kirk a fallback in that capacity, but mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is that your first round pick just completely tanks. Well, you still have Kirk. So you're not going to destroy yourself as a franchise. Um, but then outside of drafting a uh, first round quarterback, I do think defensive line is a, a priority because uh, 
not only uh, are we not able to get pressure, I think we have to sign Daniel Hunter. Even outside of drafting a defensive player, I think we need to re-sign Daniel. I think you need to have two elite edges in today's yeah. game for us to be able to bounce back where we need to be, especially under Brian Flores's defense. Yeah. We need to be able to get tremendous pressure. I want to become the 49ers when it comes to your ability to have a stout defensive line. Let's go play bully ball and let's go win some games. There you go. All right. Uh, we've mentioned free agency and signing players a couple of times. So let's get into the next uh, offseason uh, priority, which is uh, uh, or offseason event, which is free agency. Scheduled unrestricted free agents of note for the Minnesota Vikings, Giles. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Daniil Hunter, Marcus Davenpoint, Dalton Reisner, Jordan Hicks, Greg Joseph, KJ Osborne. That's the list I wrote down as mm-hmm. notable. There are others, but. I, you know, they're not as notable as those guys um, on that list. Like must signs for me. Cousins. Mm-hmm. I like Reisner. I would do it. I think there yeah. are better options that could come along in the draft or free agency. But I think you need three interior guys who are new. So just taking the low hanging fruit and re-signing Reisner, I would do it. And that's one. Yep. Now you now you got two left. So Cousins, Reisner, and if you can if Flores likes Hunter, then Hunter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he does or not. Uh but so I'd say Brian, is this a must have guy? If he says yes, then I'd re sign him. If he says mm-hmm. no, I'd let him go. Mm-hmm. So Cousins, Reisner, possibly Hunter. That's who I have. Everyone else I'd let him test the market. Maybe I end up bringing him back if they don't like what they find. But uh, Joseph Hicks, Osborne, Davenport, go test the market. Yep. Other than Cousins, I think Davenport is the only guy you resign. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> he has been the worst free agent signing that we had last year. I was shocked uh, for a second right there. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to do a dramatic pause. No, uh, unfortunately, Marcus, you're not coming back to the men in purple. I apologize. But uh, your your introduction to our team was not what we hoped it was. Uh, hope, yeah. Hopefully you have better luck in a, another team. But the fact that you were paid $13 million this year, I, I unfortunately would rather spend that in another another category. And I think it, yeah. it definitely emphasizes our ability to go sign two uh, um, uh, edges next year, whether that's Dion hunter and a, a draft pick or you know whatever that might be but i definitely want to neil hunter back in purple um i don't necessarily want him for the next five years i think he has maybe another two ish years of productivity out of him he i mean was pretty darn close to leading the league in sacks for the entire 2023 season so uh i'd like to get one more one or two more years of production out of him uh make one more run at this um uh, but ultimately jordan hicks is an interesting category for me uh he was at five million he had a pretty phenomenal year he is 32 years old so i would sign him to like a one more year prove deal and then maybe he'd want to retire as a minnesota viking um so i'd be interested in bringing him back uh he's great in the run he did pretty decent in coverage as well uh considering what he did the year prior so um would be interested in seeing what that looks like but i'm not completely tied to him but i do believe that uh like you're mentioning dalton reisner is a guy to explore uh, bringing back because you have to replace your right guard in my opinion i think that's a pretty train wreck category right now um if you have the opportunity to re-sign that i would I would uh, try to do that. And then if you could get a new center in the draft, I think even getting cheaper at the center position is a priority. When you think about all the positions that we have to pay, I don't think you're getting the right productivity out of Bradbury to justify his pay. So either needs to step up performance or we need to get cheaper, unfortunately. Um, Because I think you can get about the same performance if you draft a guy uh, and go dramatically cheaper. So that's definitely an element. Um, 
But ultimately, there's not anyone else that I'm like pounding the table for. Johnny Munt is a category that I think if you can get him back, let's do it. Um, but I mean, uh, for TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver, those are the guys that are obviously the priority. But no one else is really like getting me to to say, hey, let's get them back. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess uh, Cam Akers is one. I guess he's technically a free agent. I would like to bring him back unless his his uh, value is going to equal someone like uh, Pollard or Derrick Henry. Like if you could get those guys for the same price, so let's go <laughs> the other route. But otherwise I think Cam Akers is coming in at the right value. Yep. Yeah. When you look at cap space, Giles, um, Vikings at 38 million, which is above the league average. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that's going to get eaten up pretty fast. I think, cause I think they re-signed cousins and I think the Jefferson deal gets done. So I think, those two are currently not counting against the cap. So they appear to be in good shape from a cap standpoint, but it'll take two roster moves and they are not in good shape anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel strongly that they will resign Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I'm that's a, to me is a almost a sure thing. So no trepidation, no hesitation, no worry or stress for Vikings nation on Jefferson. I think he's going to sign and sign big long-term big money and he'll be happy. Mm-hmm. I do think they will bring cousins back. Um, so I'm not as confident in that one as I am in Jefferson, but I do think it will happen. So that's going to be spendy. So I think the odd man out here is Darisaw right now, which means he's going to play the final year on his rookie contract. And then I think he gets franchised a year from now. That's fair. I mean, especially if he continues with his sub sub elite performance, he's definitely taken a step back. Hopefully, once again, that's due to injury. But I think if that that performance continues, he's definitely not going to get the bag in the way he once was. Yeah. Now, O'Neal's a $22 million cap hit next year. It looks like he's to a me. prime candidate for restructure. <laughs> so that's a restructure that's got to happen. Um, 22 yeah. this year, 26 next year. Ouch. So we got to work on that. Save a little money there. Um I don't know, man. Harrison Smith. It's a big Unfortunately, I think too. he's played his last days in, in yeah. purple. I, I don't big see number. him coming back. Considering his performance and his cap hit, I don't think that those two things can continue. Dang, that's a big number for him. That's a giant number. Yeah. 19 million next year, 22 the following. Now, obviously, that $22 million one was a fake year. You know, that's yeah. they're just. They're, it was going re- to be restructured. Yeah, if he'll restructure, I keep him, but it's got to come down about 50%. It's like a Dalvin Cook situation. I mean, it's got to go way down. Yep. Um, I mean, if it doesn't, I think that is a candidate where uh, he may get traded for a first-round pick. So I think his performance is good enough to just about justify a first-round pick. Um, man. Now, I would not like that uh, when you're thinking about Kirk Cousins and a rookie quarterback and coming into a good system. Having two elite tackles is the 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 absolute priority, right? Um, but if you cannot, I think you you have to get a first round pick because I mean, twenty two million is a lot. Oh, especially oh you're, with talking the fact that, you're talking oh, about O'Neal. You're talking about. I'm sorry. Yes, O'Neal. Yes, yeah. O'Neal. Yep. Oh, you um, could definitely get a first round pick for him. Yeah. No, I. If, you if don't he's wanna... not willing to restructure his twenty two million dollar cap hit. Oh man, he has to restructure it. Yeah, you're right. If he's like, no, I'm not. This is it. Then yeah, you're trading him. But yep. I, th- he's got to restructure that. And the way you sell it to him is, you know, we got to get your your guy in here. We got we we want we want to keep Darisaw. We want to keep your mm-hmm. guy. You know, so yep. that's how I would sell it to him. Um, but that that is what I think will happen this year. I think Cousins resigns, Jefferson resigns, O'Neill restructures, Harrison Smith restructures or is gone. Um, 
Hunter I don't know about. And then Darisaw plays out the rookie the last year of his rookie deal and then a year from now gets franchised. So that that's how I see those things playing out, at least for now. Um and then the Vikings are are in a tough spot with the cap. They're in a tough spot with the cap until Cousins is gone. That's really what mm-hmm. it comes down to. Um yeah. I mean he does have a twenty eight point five million dollar cap hit and he's not on the team technically next year. However, if you do resign him, that gets distributed and that gets adjusted. So even your your overall uh, cap numbers available to you in 2024, uh, they'll dramatically go up if you do resign Kirk Cousins, especially at a discount deal. Good point. Um well I don't know that he'll give you a discount, but the cap you get cap help by adding years to his contract so you can push money out over those years, right? Yep. Yeah. I agree. But I mean, it did come out this week that his agent has floated rumors that he'd be willing to take a two year, 40 to $50 million contract, which I would sign every single day. Oh my of the God. Week. If I was in Minnesota, I would do that yesterday. Correct. Considering that the average value for a quarterback is nearing the $50 million category, if you could get him in the 20 to 30 category, sign him immediately. Because uh, I don't think even the Kirk Cousins haters of the world um, would would deny that. Because usually it's his cap hit that people are concerned about, not necessarily his performance. If you can get his cap hit at a lower number and then build a roster around him, that's something you can really make hay with. Exactly right, Giles. Exactly right. I, I think... Except for a small fraction of the people who don't like Cousins, a small fraction of them just hate him. They -hmm. don't think he's good, whatever. Most everybody, and I'm in this camp, is like, I like the guy and the player, but I hate this contract. Mm -hmm. That's been the thing with him. Now, right now, relative to the market, his contract is fine. Yep. But it's not going to be that. Like He's getting a new one this year, so he's going back up. He's he's going back up in, in the standings for... QB salary. Yep. And you might, maybe you're right that his agent and him are willing to do a discounted deal. That surprises me. That Mm -hmm. has not been their modus operandi throughout this entire thing. You know, they went through the sat, they went through the franchise tag for a few years. They've done multiple new deals with the Vikings. I I think that he's going to make every dollar he can. And I think he should. And I think that. If the Vikings balk at it or aren't willing to do it, I think I think another team would. Oh, so, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So I think if he's willing to do that, sign him every day because uh, whether you want to keep him for an extended amount of time or you re-sign a, a, or you, you draft a quarterback, I think both options, you need to sign that 100%. Yep. Because yeah. you're not going to get much better for that for another bridge guy in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's yeah. the best non-elite cat- uh, quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, yep. And uh, until this year, he's been durable too, right? So, yes. and and you don't have to worry about him. I mean, he's face of the franchise guy. You know, he's yep. he's leader and locker room and media and all that. He's good on. So, yeah. Um, as you can tell uh, by listening, folks, a very meaty off season coming up for the Minnesota Vikings. Lots to chew on. Lots to figure out. Lots to discern. And we are here for it. Giles and I are here for it. That's for sure. So um, we'll record next week and we'll have um, we'll probably have a couple of news headlines to to get through. Um, but I, I don't know that a whole lot's going to happen roster wise between now and then. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah. There's no deadlines coming up or anything like that. So we may kind of sort of have the same conversation next week when it comes to all of the, the contracts and free agency and all of that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But we can get into into some other stuff, and we'll have some playoff games uh, to react to as well. Um, mm-hmm. Anything, Giles, that you're looking forward to uh, from this weekend of playoff games? I'm really excited to see the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are such an interesting team to me. I think they've maybe been, been one of the most underrated good teams in the NFL right now. Uh, yeah. When you think about the amount of talent they have on offense and defense, um, I do expect them to beat the Lions this week. Uh, I really do. I think, uh, like I was talking to a guy that lives here in Minnesota, but is an avid uh, Cowboys fan. His name is Jared Whitmore, works for Toro and Ditchwich. And uh, he predicts that we're going to, uh, we as in the, the Cowboys, are going to score early and get pressure early. You know, Parsons and DLA are going to go to town on, on the Detroit Lions and they're going to come out victorious. Um, and I think I think they have a chance to go to the NFC Championship game this year when I see the performance of the Cowboys. I think they're the one team that no one's really, really rooting for. I think they look at the Niners or things like that and and, uh, and, and see success there. But I think Cowboys are a sneaky team to sneak on in. And when you look at it from the macro lens, the importance of this week if the Cowboys do make a run here, I think per your comment before about Dan Quinn going to the Seattle Seahawks, I think that further cements itself. I think Dan Quinn becomes a much more marquee head coaching candidate. And this is a little bit of reckless speculation going on this three train here. Uh, if Dan Quinn goes to the Seattle Seahawks and there's a vacancy at the defensive coordinator position for the Dallas Zim. Cowboys, Zim. exactly. Yes. Mike Zimmer to the Dallas Cowboys. He came out this week, uh, or this week or that uh, last week, I forget when it was, and talked to Tom Pelissero and said I he's ready that. to get back mm-hmm. in. He's ready to get back in. You're a buddy with him. I'm what ready for fun that would that to see? I mean, he's a Dallas Cowboy through and through. Although he oh. was a coach for the Minnesota Vikings, he's a Dallas Cowboy. Oh, yeah, he is. And I got to tell you, to see him on Mike McCarthy's staff, God, I would just pay, <laughs> I would pay money. I wouldn't even have to pay money, I, but I can't <laughs> wait to go there and see that. That would be that would be phenomenal. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Uh, Rivals become friends. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Um, I like the I like the line of thinking there, Giles, with the Cowboys. I mean, as long as they're at home, I think the Cowboys are in great shape. If they have yeah. to go to San Francisco, I think they're really up against it, and they need some out of body positive exper- uh, uh, performances uh, to yeah. do that. But they can do it. Um, yep. And I'm a little in the minority, I think, here of non so of non Cowboys fans. Okay. I'm in the minority of that group because I like it when Dallas is good. Yeah. I think it's fun. You they're know, America's and team. I I know that not everyone likes them. I get it, but. When they're good, it's fun, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, I hope they make a run because I like watching them and I like seeing what what happens with them. Um, mm-hmm. My my team that I find interesting and I'm excited to watch uh, is Cleveland uh, because Ooh. of the Kevin Stefanski connection. Uh, I love the Joe Flacco story, and um, I just i i would I wouldn't mind if Houston. One, uh, I think they're kind of fun to watch, and that's who Cleveland yeah. plays. Uh, yep. But you know, I think Cleveland's going to get out of the first round, and I'll be very curious to see how they do uh, if they can win a playoff game. See how they do on the road and uh, in the uh, divisional or the the next wild card round, I guess. Um, so I'm kind of rooting for the Browns. Um, I'd like to see them do well. So it, it's a full weekend of games: two Saturday, three Sunday, two uh, one Monday. So super excited for it. That Eagles Bucks game. I'm kind of glad they put that one on 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 Monday because like it's not a very fun, sexy matchup at all. Mm-hmm. But it's on Monday, so it's like, well, this is better than nothing. On behalf of Giles, this is Wabi signing off for now. We'll be back 
next week with another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We hope you join us then. But until then, Skull Vikings.